Welcome to Day Zero Update for April 11th. I'm your host, Chris Sologi. I'm Brandon Parkin. And I'm Daniel Victoria. And yeah, this has been a fairly busy week, I guess, in terms of mm-hmm. news. Uh, a lot of like dates and stuff getting announced that seems pretty cool. A couple of big stories here. Uh, a couple of surprises. Uh, we'll get to that stuff here a bit later. Uh, let's talk about what we've been playing. I will start. So I've been playing the uh, the Diablo Resurrected mm-hmm. uh, technical alpha, whatever they're calling it, that is on Battle.net right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, played a bit of it, mostly with the controller, which took me a bit to get working. Uh, but once I did, uh, it plays pretty well. I never played the original mm. Diablo 2, but once I started playing this, I definitely saw like, oh, Path of Exiles is just a carbon copy of this game. Yeah, except it's free and, uh, you know, actually kind of better. <laughs> Somewhat. Uh, a lot more people running around in mm-hmm. some of the areas, that kind of thing. But uh, this game has some neat stuff to it. Uh, it took me a bit to figure out how to get out of the the main town you started because I was running around and couldn't figure it out. And I noticed, Oh, there's this, uh, little opening on the one side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I talked to the different characters, like four initially, mm. uh, went and just explored around, beat up a bunch of enemies. Uh, there's, uh, some, uh, some interesting ways of doing things before. Obviously they went to, Diablo 3, that's where my reference for this game comes from. Like, there's stamina, so you can sort of sprint mm-hmm. around. Uh, but eventually it runs out, though. Once you're in, like, a sprint, uh, you know, once you're in sprint, it you can kind of just stop and keep going. So you can mm-hmm. kind of just stop without necessarily having to turn it off. That's a bit weird. Uh, there's no way to yeah. do the the old graphics, new graphics toggle with the controller. As far as I could tell, mm-hmm. uh, they do have. If you're playing mouse and keyboard, I think it's just a button on the screen. You can just do that. Uh, at least mm-hmm. it was when I was setting up a character for that, and I think there was only like two or three of the characters were playable. So I just picked the the main like barbarian dude or warrior dude, whatever class it was. That uh, you know is standard fare. You got uh, both your hands. You can put weapons in. Like initially, you start out with a uh, axe and shield, as well as some decent armor. So, like a lot of the drops I was getting early on was just worse than that. Uh, so, you can swap between your second set of uh, uh, weapons and armor and all that uh, with mm-hmm. the left stick. I think it is like right stick is your sprint mm. uh, for that, but uh, it works pretty well. Seems like it's going to be a neat game. I don't know. They're going to pay full price for it whenever it's out. Mm. Uh, but it seems to work pretty well. It's supposed to be coming out to, I think, everything later this year. Yeah. I know it's at least the uh, PS4 and Xbox. I think it's Switch as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, alongside PC. Okay, it's going to be 40 bucks. It's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, though you can get the... Oh... Have a Prime Evil upgrade. Oh, that gets you a Diablo 3 Eternal Collection. 
uh, with that, which is a pretty good value for all that. Mm. Though, I don't know. I would assume that most Diablo fans would already own it at this Probably. point. Probably. I would certainly think so. <laughs> yeah, so that's a, a neat thing. I might play some more uh, tonight before it ends tomorrow. Mm. Uh, see more of that. The, yeah, the way the mini-map kind of fills out as you go around is pretty interesting, though. I've uh, playing a lot of Diablo 3, opening a bunch of chests and getting nothing out of mm-hmm. it is been the standard thing I've seen. Like, not even just, here's some gold. Just nothing. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is great. Great experience. Uh, and yeah, like, managing your uh, your weapons is all a little bit more challenging because you only have a limited amount of space. It's like a physical grid. Uh, so mm. a lot of weapons are just a one by three thing. You can't rotate them or anything. Mm-hmm. So you kind of end up just leaving stuff behind or just dropping a bunch of stuff mm. uh, to manage it, which is exactly my experience with Path of Exile. Whereas Diablo 3 is just like, all right, you can carry a bunch of stuff and yeah. you can sort it out later. So, yeah, that seems neat. Uh, from what I've played so far. Also been playing some more Outriders. Not really too much further than it was last week. Played a few more missions. Now that I understand the combats, I've been having more fun with it. Finding uh, weapons that will fit that pretty well. Yeah. I have a shotgun on my... Uh, it's my second secondary weapon, which is pretty good. It's like a... Yeah. It's like a pump action, I think. There's like a lot of the different types of weapons have multiple versions. So it's like a pump action shotgun. There's just some more basic ones. I forget what all the, the names are. There's a lot of weird little variants for the different types of guns. But uh, the ones I'm dealing with now have like special uh, perks to them, kind of, where mm-hmm. my main assault rifle kind of has this thing that just causes explosions randomly off of the shots, which is nice for getting some bonus damage. Uh, I think the the shotgun gets me some health back uh, for get some successful shots, but it's like six six ammo per per whatever clip for that. So yeah, the the story's still not great. I did a couple of missions that seem to just be the same thing over and over again. I might have mm-hmm. just missed that. That was a mission that I took the last time I played it and just forgot how it started. Because you just go and talk to this guy, Mr. Chang, is one of the merchants. This dude just runs in and is like, uh, just shoots him, kills him. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, what the fuck? He was going to show me the good stuff. Uh, and then you just kill him because you're tired of his shit and you learn where he came from. So I guess I accidentally did the same mission twice, but whatever. It yeah. seems to be that kind of game where you can kind of just redo missions. It's still the same spot where I started that mission still there as a, uh, a faded exclamation point. So I know it's like, okay, I've done that. I don't think it was there before, but it seems like a couple of the, the parts of the, the main town are bugging up a little bit. I met somebody that collects like old earth artifacts that her icon is always gold, which is what it looks like when they got new stuff or you got something to do with them. And I just get the same 
bit of dialogue every single time I check it. Mm. Uh, so still needs some work. I think they're putting out an update to uh, fix a couple things. So hopefully that's uh, going to be uh, good for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Also been playing Ratchet and Clank Up Your Arsenal. Been streaming the, the whole series. I finished up going commando and start up up your arsenal the started yesterday and played some more today and that game is uh quite a bit different than the previous two games uh the progression the story progression stuff you have a lot of uh you're part of the galactic rangers and you have a lot of uh robot buddies that kind of hang around with you and fight enemies with you and sometimes when i'm just going around getting Crates and all that, you know, they fight for me. I took out a lot of enemies that I still get XP for it for the, the health part of it at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, pretty nice. So that's a, a bit of a different flavor where you, before you're just, you know, Ratchet and Clank going out on your own to fight enemies. So there's been, and they, since you're part of the Galactic Rangers, occasionally just be like, oh, here's a series of like missions to do uh, that are kind of challenges but they're required for the story to progress. So you get some extra bolts out of it. Uh, And the second one I did was a lot of flying stuff, not necessarily like space combat, but like you're controlling like a hover ship that can shoot Mm -hmm. at other flying ships and such. So uh, it wasn't too great to control. I didn't see any way to get health back. So that was uh, interesting and, yeah, the weapons can level up to the what is it V five now instead of just one upgrade. So that's pretty nice. And the the weapons that you can bring over from going commando also can do that. Whereas last time around they were just static until you beat the game, go into challenge mode, and then you can do you know a paid upgrade, and then that's it for that. So a lot nicer to have weapons that are continually getting better. And mm-hmm. now that keeps going with the PS3 games that I think go up to level 10 for that stuff. Mm-hmm. So been enjoying that a lot. And yeah, the story stuff is pretty good as they, as Quark is a central part of it for the first time, not as a villain, at least so far. Uh, he loses memory memory early on as you find him in a jungle planet, mm-hmm. for that which is uh, pretty silly. He thinks he's a monkey. So you put him in this like prison, the little prison cell with a, a big tree for him to hang on with a monkey buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once he does recover, he's given the leadership on the, the Q force as they call it. Mm-hmm. And his presentations for his missions are hilarious. Cause it's just the shittiest drawings. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of kid level drawings, but, I know they're drawn by people that actually know how to do art because there's a lot more detail in it than a kid drawing would have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for it, but it's just the the most hilarious stuff. And I know they keep doing that in the the games that come after this. Because I think the the one you played on PS4, Brandon, also has that kind of drawing stuff to it. Yeah. Uh, where he just shows his drawing skills, which are just subpar. Mm-hmm. It's like you, sh- you should have just given this to one of the other people that know how to draw. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's uh, that's been fun. Going to keep playing that. Uh, look forward to getting to the PS3 uh, for some better looking games where when characters are trying to emote with their eyes, 
it's not a nightmare of clipping and all that. But yeah, also been playing some more, uh, some uh, Oddworld Soulstorm. It's out this past week. Uh, that is, I played the the first stage on that, and that was a, a pretty nice difference from what the other game was, the new and tasty. Uh, it's more of a platformer this time around, where the previous games were kind of very much in the vein of like a another world, that kind of thing, where it's like a deliberate platformer. Uh, like the original Prince of Persia, that kind of thing. Here it still has some of that stuff, but you also have a double jump. So you can kind of be more kind of risky with your platforming, uh, which mm-hmm. they have like challenges for each of the stages. Like uh, you find vases, uh, vases that you can kind of loot, but you get mm-hmm. water bottles and soul storm bottles. So soul storm is like this drink that is very popular. Uh, the yeah. actual sequence you see is them throwing them into the engine for a locomotive mm-hmm. to power it up. Uh, but here you can use it to set stuff on fire. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, the first stage is the the home for the, the Mudokans, this cave. This whole huge mm-hmm. cave system has been invaded by the, the bad guys. So you're kind of escaping and they're setting stuff on fire all over the place, but sometimes you use it to break down uh, obstacles that you need to get past. Uh, and you can use the water bottles to throw and tear down or put out the fire. So there's these uh, stuff you can loot that uh, I think it tells you like, oh, gives you bronze, you know, silver, gold, and platinum. I think for how much you do. For that, there's a collectible there as well that gives you, I think, health back uh, as well. So they do a decent bit of rewarding for you to, you know, uh, explore. Even in a stage where the primary thing it's asking you to do is just run mm-hmm. uh, and run safely. So uh, it looks really nice. The The main menu is very much... Uh, Super high res, 4K, all that. So much you can see, like the the blood veins in Abe's eyes, mm. as he seems to be very tired. Yeah, from the way it looks. But uh, yeah, it it works out pretty well. There's there's crafting, but nothing you can do in the initial thing because it's still tutorial and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's stealth stuff, which you don't really do too much of it in that stage, though. It seemed like when I was hiding behind stuff and it didn't seem like enemies could be it'd be enemies in the background that uh could shoot at you. It I didn't understand how it was able to see me. So I was like waiting for it to turn around, uh look away. Uh but it still when I got to certain points it just started shooting at me. So a uh, couple of things like not super great, but that just might be me getting used to the game mm-hmm. for now. But uh, that's been pretty much it for me. How about you, Brandon? Uh, well, as for me, I'm still playing Disco Elysium. Um, I'm now in day three of that, and I gotta say, and this is probably something I'll go a little bit more into when I do my review, um, part of what I really love about this game is it its use of emergent storytelling. Um, because of the fact that the character you're playing has basically gone on a bender so intense that when he wakes up, he has completely lost all sense of 
memory and identity and just anything around him, it means that much like you, he's experiencing a lot of the world for the first time. And because of that, the game very slowly sort of pulls the camera back to show you how the world of Elysium itself looks so much like our own at first, but the further out it pans out, you realize just how alien it really is. Like, the very first sign you get when is when, you know, you wake up in your underwear in the middle of that hotel room, and next to you on, like, another table, there's a uh, reel-to-reel audio player. And the first thing you think is, okay, good, maybe he was like, because uh, if you had no idea of what this game was at the time, that reel-to-reel audio, you'd be thinking, okay, maybe he was doing like uh, a sting operation and he was recording, you know, audio for like a nearby hotel room or something, which if you've ever like watched old cop shows, that's like a really uh, common cliche. They're doing like a bust and they have to you know, they end up taking, like, a room next to where the deal's going down, and they're, like, recording the whole conversation on, like, a mini mic onto, like, reel-to-reel tapes. So you think, okay, maybe that's what's happening. But then you get out of the uh, hotel room, and then, you know, you get dressed, you get out of the hotel room, you go downstairs, and then you go and you see the place where, you know, is what's the karaoke area, and you notice the tech for what's supposed to be like the microphone and the karaoke machine are very not what you are used to seeing. Um, the microphone that is used looks very much like a less like it's made out of like, you know, the type of material you expect from a microphone. It looks like it's made out of glass and the, um, karaoke machine itself is not like a TV monitor. It's literally like a flat like uh, screen on like a stand that is essentially uh, well you find out later it's basically operated by a radio waves. And then after that when you finally talk with uh, Lieutenant Kitsuragi and you actually go out onto the street you actually see the first cars. And you realize that these cars are not like the cars we have. These are the cars that look more like stagecoaches with motors on them. And they're even, like, piloted with, like, levers and stuff. And it just sort of, like, expands outward from there. Um, Even to the point where you find out, like, what the rest of this particular world looks like. And it is not at all looking like a a globe or like an ocean or anything like it. It's something very, very much stranger. Um, but yeah, the game's really good. Um, they put in a patch recently that fixed a lot of the issues I had with the Original, the sort of soft lock that happens on day three is no longer an issue. Um, that's basically been completely fixed. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just... The game's just so damn good. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, I will say the only issue I've had with this game is that because of the 
extensive dialogue that is there, you it can get kind of I don't want to necessarily say tedious, but it can feel a little overwhelming at times. But that, I mean, God, it's it's a great game, an amazing game, highly recommend it. Um, and uh, other than that, I've also been playing Splatoon too because that is sort of my nightly thing now, and I'm getting much better at it now. Um, and I've come to realize that. Uh, there are a small group of players who do nothing but uh, basically camp near spawning points, and it is annoying. And they really should stop doing that. But I gotta be honest, compared to a lot of other like online competitive games, Splatoon probably has probably the least toxic community I've ever encountered. Like 100%. And I, and I said this on last weekend, I wonder if that's because this is one of the only couple of uh, online competitive games where you can't actually talk to anybody. And, you know, I wonder if maybe that's the reason why. I don't know. But that's what I've been playing. So, um, Dan Reb, what about you? Um, there is one new thing that I started playing, and I finished it about a couple of days. Um, I got an email about this game called um it's kind of it's kind of default uh lost words beyond the page mm-hmm. and uh, this game actually came out on the stadia and it was mm-hmm. like I wanted to do what's on there but obviously you know with, with the stadia being what it is mm-hmm. it's time to go as multi as i can with it and this game uh, is uh, published by modus and it's essentially a walking simulator and a platformer at the same time but um what sets it apart is the way that it's uh storytelling is done so basically, you um, play this girl, um, or or basically like it starts off with a book, and you use this girl to walk around the various uh, words on the book, and eventually the story just tells itself, and you find out that the girl wants to be a writer, and she has a really close relationship with her mom and her grandma, and it also talks about the story that she's writing, and and that's the game that you end up playing, where it eventually becomes a puzzling platformer, and mm-hmm. in this platformer. Um, you basically have access to these magic words that'll uh, that'll solve the various puzzles you'll have. So, like one of the words is rise. So, when you use the rise power, you'll be able to have um, different platforms uh, rise so that you can uh, get to different areas. You mm-hmm. also have um, break, which will like break certain things. You have repair, which will repair what's broken so that you can um, uh, more thoughtfully explore. And there's only one path in the game, so there isn't really anything to be too confused about. But uh, the reason why exploration is important is because um, you'll be looking for these fireflies. And the fireflies are, in essence, like, you know, the, the collectibles you'll find throughout the game to make exploring worth it. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's about four hours long. Uh, it's a tearjerker of a story. If I had to compare this to anything else, it would be Florence, which is on mobile and Switch. That was about a 20, 40-minute experience. This one's about four hours. Easy platinum. Uh, totally recommend it. So I'll have a review on that one soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I also hopped back on Bravely Default 2. Um, it's not as hard as I've been complaining about the, the, these, these past few weeks. I've, I've gotten hold of this ability where uh, when you attack monsters, you can attack all of them at the same time, and it makes it a whole lot easier. You also have access to um, some of these abilities that you know can do thousands of damage. And uh, yeah, it definitely makes the, the game um, a little bit more approachable. But yeah, I'm 30 hours in now. Um, 
I wouldn't say the end is in sight, but I've gotten to a point where shit has definitely hit the fan, and uh, as you'd expect in these Japanese RPGs. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm really enjoying it now. Uh, that being said, since I played these two games, uh, Monster Hunter Rise has taken the back seat. Um, I'm still playing through um, the village quests, which are probably the most basic there, and I, I really won't need any help yet. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, this this this, this is a, a a live product game, and you know it'll it'll continue to update. So um, I don't imagine I'll be stopping anytime soon. But yeah, those have been the main three. All right, so let's get to some service news. Uh, PlayStation Now and Game Pass have some new stuff coming this month for mm-hmm. April. Uh, talk a little bit about these games playstation okay. now has uh, a few interesting games here uh marvel's avengers which i was calling for something like this last week when i said they only put it on sale for 30 bucks at most it needs to be cheaper or on a subscription service and here it is mm-hmm. uh, you can check that out uh borderlands 3 is also on here mm-hmm. Another solid game to get on there for people that maybe don't want to pay for it just yet. Uh, there's The Long Dark, uh, which is a survival game in sort of a winter uh, area, frozen wilderness kind mm-hmm. of thing that uh, I've enjoyed when I played it on PC. Maybe the one issue mm-hmm. I have is I would like it's without like wolves coming after you. <laughs> uh, uh, like you just have the survival thing which that might still be in there they've been updating that game for a while mm. uh, until it, I think it went 1.0 in the past year or two so uh, that one is a permanent one Borderlands 3 is until September 29th and Marvel's Avengers is until July 5th mm. so you'll be able to check those out and uh, people were a bit confused about this earlier, but these are just the PS4 versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't seem like they have PS5 games on the service yet in any way, as far as I can tell. I guess because they need to be streamable. They probably don't have the PS5 hardware ready for PS Now just yet. So uh, it'll just be the, the PS4 versions for those games. Uh, let's see. Uh, Game Pass. Yeah, we know one of the games that's coming this month. And it'll be the show mm-hmm. 21, uh, which is the 20th, I think. Yeah, the 20th. Uh, what else do they have on here? GTA 5 is coming back to mm-hmm. the the service for mm-hmm. probably a little bit. The thing I wish is they put expiration dates for these games. Uh, it's the one thing I like about PlayStation Now is sort of getting an idea of when... Uh, these games are leaving, or if they're not. Uh, I assume this is going to be another like three-month stay, something like that. But you can play that on the console. Let's see, Zombie Army 4 Dead War uh, was just added, which uh, I think is Series X and S upgradable for that. Uh, you can also play it on PC. Uh, that one just hit PlayStation Plus, so they're kind of getting out there on the services. Disneyland oh, Adventures yeah. is on the cloud now, mm-hmm. which is uh, like one of the 360 Connect games. Mm. For that, so let's see. Yeah, there's another Disney game here, Rush. The 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 one about the dog, I think it is. Or no, mm. no, that's a Connect thing with like a bunch of different Pixar stuff. Okay, and Disney yeah. stuff. Okay, okay, I understand that one now. Uh, 
NHL 21 is coming to EA Play for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Uh, so you'll get that as well on Game Pass Ultimate on April 12th. So it's tomorrow. There's a game called Rain on Your Parade coming. Mm-hmm. Which seems like a... Well, they don't have a link to the game, so I don't know. Anywhere in the description, which says, Travel the world is a cute cardboard cloud and ruin everybody's day. Lock new methods of mischief in over 50 levels. So that seems very much like a, uh, a cute, simple kind of game. So mm-hmm. we can mess around with. There's Pathway for PC. Oh, I know this game. It has a really neat art style to it. It's kind of a, a turn-based game. Uh, kind of XCOM-ish, but uh, you're kind of like an Indiana Jones type figure, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, fighting off the Nazis, uh, that kind of stuff. Yep. I think also this month they are enabling cloud or yeah for their cloud games, or at least some of them, like fifty games uh, that you can use touch controls on your phone if you're going to stream them through there uh, versus just whatever the probably the default is. It seems like they're more specific uh, UI enhancements for that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that could be neat. Uh, but yeah, that is uh, it for the services. A couple of interesting games there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some... Also coming out, the... what's that, Brandon? I said definitely some that are worth playing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did buy the the expansion card for the Xbox Series S mm-hmm. uh, with my stimulus money because I got tired of fucking managing games. Yeah, stupid thing. Because uh, you only yeah. if you for the games that are Series S or X enhanced, you cannot play them off of an external, even if they technically have a version that would be compatible for that. Uh, you're forced to use the upgraded version. So I was trying to download uh, Forza Horizon uh, Four, and it needed me to put it on the internal, and I didn't have room, so I had to manage a bunch of shit and delete some stuff. And it was fucking annoying. So I was like. All right, I got the fucking money. I'm going to buy this stupid thing. It's $220. It was annoying, oh. but uh, it'll at least be uh, more storage space for that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the, the enhanced games, so that'll be something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about another service, Nintendo Switch Online. Got a mm-hmm. surprise release this week, Pac-Man 99. Yep. Mario 35 got buried so Pac-Man can live in the Battle Royale. Mm. Or what they call a Pac-Royale. It's free for Nintendo Switch Online members. I haven't played it yet, but it has a ton of DLC. I think there's like 17 Mm. or 18 pieces of DLC. A bunch of skins for it with various games, which is typical for Pac-Man releases mm. there's like rally x tower juraga uh, some weird ones like cosmo gang the video game or cosmo gang the video i don't know what that is mm. but there's like a there's modes other side modes that you can unlock for like 15 yeah. bucks like a cpu battle mode mm-hmm. score attack and some other stuff like that uh but you can just buy the deluxe pack that gives you it's 30 bucks and gives you all the themes and uh, all the other bonus stuff that you can get for that. Yep. But the, the game itself is free if you have the Switch online. Mm-hmm. It seems neat. I definitely want to check it out. I just haven't had time to sit down and check it out. 
yeah, I forgot to mention, uh, I've also been playing this game. Uh, not a whole lot, but I've played like a, at least 10 games by now. My first try, I got eighth place, and the best I've ever gotten was four. Um, and yeah, it, it's really fun. If you've played Tetris 99 or Super Mario 35, you pretty much know what to expect as, you know, as far as the power-ups and whatnot. But I think there's definitely a strategic element with um, Pac-Man, because um, aside from, you know, just being Pac-Man, you also have sort of these ghosts uh, on the board and mm. that pretty much activate at, at, at given times. And uh, when you run over them, they'll slow you down. And to make it even harder, eventually these ghosts turn red. And mm. if you uh, run over the red ones, you die. So that kind of sucks because I didn't, I didn't realize that the first time I played it. So when you're playing, um, you really want to focus on not only grabbing pellets to increase your score, but uh, you have to, um, you know, get the big pellets in order to, to uh, eat the ghosts and stuff like that. But not only that, um, when you get the fruit, uh, the fruit uh, also refreshes the board and it also takes away the, uh, um, the, the, the little Pac-Man ghosts at the same time. So those are just mm -hmm. a, a few of the things to be aware of as you're playing the game. And, and, and so far, it's really fun. I haven't um, run into any crazy um, online server issues or anything like that. Um, the one thing that I did think uh, is a bit of a weakness is um, it doesn't support analog. So you're yeah. kind of forced to use the Switch's D-pad. And the D-pad on both the Pro Controller and uh, the Joy-Cons aren't very good. So when you're trying to, you know, quickly pull a 360 and, like, you know, a Switch size immediately, it's not as easy, especially if you're um, on slow mode. And that kind of messes things up. But, yeah, it's really fun so far. Yeah, I watched Giant Bomb play a little bit, and it seemed very hectic. Oh, way, yeah. It kind of made it hard to kind of do any of the targeting stuff or other enemy, uh, other people playing. Yeah, um, it, it, you know, the, the gameplay uh, at first, it did kind of remind me of like, yeah, of like uh, Mario, I think it was Mario 35, where it's, you know, it's a, like a bunch of different games Mario are going, and Every time you manage to like get points or like kill an enemy, it ends up sending them to like the other people playing. But it's definitely a lot more hectic when it's done with Pac-Man because with Mario, you've got a lot more space to deal with. Whereas with Pac-Man, unless there's a corner you can go to, you're basically stuck on a fixed path. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to see how. Uh, I'm I'm actually uh, curious to see uh, how how people who've played that game get it to an art form because that is a game. It's that is a game that looks very hard to strategize for. I mean, yeah. the original Pac-Man by itself is already like you got to be a savant in order to get to you know very far into it. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be fun to see how that kind of evolves over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's start talking about some games with dates. Super Meat Boy Forever, which has been out on PC and Switch for a little while now. Mm -hmm. Apparently coming to uh, the PlayStations, uh, PS5 and PS4, as well as the Xboxes, mm -hmm. uh, April 16th for nineteen ninety nine. So people can, more people can check that out. The sort of follow-up to the original Super Meat Boy. This one is a bit different. It's kind of an uh, auto-runner platformer. 
where you don't have to really worry about where you're moving, but just the strategic uh, jumping and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. to it. Uh, so I might check that out. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Mm. Another game that is uh, coming out here in about two months from now. Yeah. Edge of Eternity. Mm. A game that's... Was that kickstarted? I think I, it was. I think it was. Um, yeah, it's been in early access on Steam for a while. And it is finally yeah. coming out in full release on June 8th. If you want to mm. get it at a cheaper price, the Steam page is currently on sale for 33% off for about 16 bucks. Mm-hmm. That uh, you can kind of get it on sale before it goes up in price when it hits full release. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I might check that out. It seems like that sale price ends in about two days. Mm-hmm. So you have to check that out pretty soon. That is kind of a you know high def uh, turn-based RPG. Yep. Like a Final Fantasy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, very much inspired by that. It was some neat things of its own. Oh, yeah. It a, a bit of a, like a hex grid kind of thing to the to the way the battles work. Mm-hmm. So you kind of a little bit of turn-based uh, strategy RPG kind of thing to it uh, for that. So it's got some neat stuff to it. So definitely uh, check that out. It'll be coming to the other consoles, PS5, all the Xboxes, PS4 uh, later this year quarter q4 2021 so that'll be and i guess it'll be on game pass whenever it's out mm-hmm. that's what this article says so you'll be able to check that out later this year at some point mm-hmm. all right all right yeah. uh, uh definitely that? play that yeah um yeah. don't think my pc is going to be strong enough for it though yeah so you have to wait a bit yeah Telecoms a console, at least. Yeah. All right. Also coming out in June, on June 24th, for all of the consoles and PC is Alex Kidd in Miracle World DX, mm-hmm. the sort of enhanced remake of the original game, I think it was. Yep. Yeah. Uh, a game that's full of a lot of bullshit will just kill you for uh, losing in a rock, paper, scissors match. Yeah, basically. Uh, That's my life and death game. Yeah, it's notoriously... It's notoriously, back in the the day, it was one of those games where it was like... People were like, okay, what the fuck am I looking at, and why is it killing me? Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a game that kind of is a lot better in modern collections with, you know, save states and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, So you can kind of learn what things do, but not have to start over when mm-hmm. you mess up. But yeah, that'll be coming to, you know, pretty much any platform you have mm. late, uh, yeah, later in June. Uh, yeah, so you can check that out. Mm. Let's see. Also coming out during the summer, Neo, The World Ends With You on July 27th. Mm for PS4, Switch, and Epic Game Store. Mm -hmm. Sort of follow-up to the original uh, The World Ends With You. Yeah, which was a DS game and had one of the... one of those control schemes where it's like, there is no way that this should be able to work, and yet it does. Yeah. Um, 
and they brought the switch and people are like how the fuck do you play this game yeah yeah it's, it's, touch. A, it's a control scheme tailor made for ds and only for ds so when it got ported it's like what is this yep yep so this is the follow-up let me see what's yeah so also set in shibuya district Mm-hmm. in Tokyo, so yeah, they put a new trailer for the release date announcement. All that, you mm-hmm. can pre-order it now if you want. So yeah, that's uh, going to be an interesting release to see. Yeah, I never actually beat the original game, so I wonder if I can go back to DS and like beat that real quick. I also want to do the same to uh, Ratchet & Clank because there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff this year of uh, you know rehashes that you know I never had a chance to uh, beat other games, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I got all the way up to the final boss of that game and was never able to get further. So Yeah. Yeah, it was just really hard to get a hold of on the DS, so I never really played it there. Mm-hmm. Uh one of those square games was just like, ah, we're gonna print out like a hundred thousand copies, good luck getting one. Mm-hmm. Uh whatever it was. Uh, so yeah, there was a reprint like a few years ago, but obviously by yeah. then the DS was already dead. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so about something that was going to be coming out pretty soon, but no longer is Deathloop. Uh, got yeah. pushed back a while ago to a May twenty first date. Mm-hmm. That seemed like okay, cool. They can nail this one, and apparently not. They mm-hmm. put out a. Tweet saying we've made a decision to delay the launch of Deathloop to September 14th. Uh, we're committed to quality and preserving our team's ambitions for Deathloop while ensuring the health and safety of everyone at Arcane. We'll be yeah. using this extra time to accomplish our goal, create a fun, stylish, and mind-bending player experience. So, yeah, I think it's a game that seems interesting enough that people will give it the time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a shame it's starting to crouch on the holiday season yeah kind of kind of worried about it getting overshadowed but also we don't know what's coming out this holiday season still yeah we don't really um it's still too early in the year yeah even though it's april brandon the yeah. holiday season's like five months away as we yeah. start uh we got a news story later about one way we'll find out about what's coming out later this year but uh that's one that we'll be waiting a bit more for. Mm. Uh, which is a shame, because it's been looking really cool in the trailers mm. and such as shown, but I'm yeah. curious to see how it uh, ends up. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about another game that uh, we liked a lot last year, Streets of Rage 4. Yep. Uh, very well done. Follow-up to the, the three classic games. Mm. Uh, they announced a new... DLC called Mr. X Nightmare. No date on this as far as I can tell. So it seems like they're just announcing that they're working on this, but it is gonna add, let's see, Estelle Aguirre, mm-hmm. the uh police officer boss in Streets of Rage 4 as a playable character. Uh so you can play yep. with her. Uh there might mm-hmm. be see there's two more fighters that'll be going into the game, into this DLC, but they're not revealing them just yet. Uh, there's also going to be a new survival mode. No real details on that. Uh, yeah. Just saying that it challenges players to elevate and prove their true capabilities through special mm-hmm. tests of skill. 
they are talking about their new character customization options, which you can build personalized versions of your favorite fighters by equipping them brand new arsenal moves. Mm. So you can kind of mix them up a little bit there. So that's mm. pretty neat. Uh, there's new music tracks from T. Lopez. Uh, he's done a lot of work with Sonic the Hedgehog remixes and music for Sonic Mania. Yeah. And yeah, it seems like this will be a paid expansion coming out sometime later this year. No date or price announced, but there's also going to be a free update in the works that will add a new Mania Plus difficulty. Uh, a new tutorial system of sorts for mastering fighter movesets and new color palette options. So some free stuff coming out as well. Mm. So it'll be neat to see how that, uh, what all that has to add and how much it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The next three things here we have are some really striking games coming out or I just got kind of shown. Mm-hmm. I guess two of these are Kickstarters. One seems like it's going to come out somewhat soon. I don't know. Uh, first one is a Kickstarter is up now for this kind of anime rhythm action game called Unbeatable. Yeah, it's very, its art style is very studio trigger like. Yeah. So watch, you know, Kill a Kill or Darling in the Franks. Yeah, it looks like that. Yeah, it has a $55,000 goal. It's already hit 110000 with mm-hmm. 26 days to go. Uh, they do have some stretch goals. I think the first one added online leaderboards and custom profiles. The 150K they announced is like a, a beat map editor for mm-hmm. making your own I don't know levels I guess mm. something like that uh, they say they're the one they use to make the stuff is esoteric and uh, very confusing <laughs> people outside to work on which makes sense mm. uh, so they say they if they hit 150,000 they will kind of rework it to be more intuitive mm. Uh as well as being able to add your own animation to it. Yep. As they say here, uh, add animated intercuts. You're going to have to do animate. You're going to have to animate to do it. So animation is hard. It's a lot of work. Did you know this? Someone should have told me. (laughs) Some good writing there. I'm not saying anything else ahead of that. Because they're just going to wait and see how it goes before announcing a bunch of stuff, which is pretty smart. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily guarantee Things that may or may not happen, but uh, it's set in a world where music is illegal and you do crimes. So it's uh, a nice yeah. attitude to it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you uh, do that beat up and you watch the trailer. It explains how it works. It seems fairly simplistic in the controls, but obviously they'll throw up a lot of curveballs as much as they can. Mm. Hence the, the title of the game, Unbeatable. So, that looks pretty neat. The animation style reminds me of uh, Studio Trigger and their work with Promar. But other than that, I, I don't know about this game. Um, from what I've seen, it doesn't look too impressive, but I guess we'll wait. Yeah, we'll see, I suppose. Um, yeah. The problem right now is the the current, the music they use in the in the trailer is not really good. Yeah. That's what the development's for. They say it's estimated deliveries December 2023, so still a ways off. Mm-hmm. And it's 27 bucks 
for the the cheapest uh thing to get the game itself so yep okay let's see the other kickstarter is for the new game from flip fly the makers of race the sun mm-hmm. uh and this time they're working on another game where you're controlling a ship, but instead of uh, just surviving various obstacles falling around you, uh, yeah, it's kind of a roguelike uh, Star Fox game. It's called they, Whisker Squadron. They even kind of knit knit the label for. I mean, not the label, but the font for it as well for the logo. Yeah, yeah. has that so, same kind of style of you know simplistic. Yeah polygonal stuff it's a little bit more uh polished than Star Fox was originally mostly because to... the original Star Fox basically ran like shit on the SNES yeah, it was uh, a game that was not really capable of running on a Super Nintendo pretty much everything with the FX chip was not capable of running on the Super Nintendo that could be completely yeah, yeah. But yeah, they've got a Kickstarter campaign going on. Uh, Thirty thousand dollar goal. It's already past that, so that'll be happening. Mm. Uh, they mentioned that they've put the majority of money into the project that they've been making uh, for the past few years into it. They just need a little bit more to put them over the edge to finish it, mm. uh, finish this game. So it kind of has the uh, the Star Fox sixty four style. Uh, like map of missions, obviously it'll change each time, uh, and it seems like it won't be too long of a game from the look mm-hmm. of it. But it has that really kind of cool looking style to it. Yeah, all that and the devs have yeah, done a lot of good work, so this looks like it should turn out to be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The screenshots don't look too impressive, but when you watch the game in action, it definitely does look better. So yeah, I am liking the way that it's uh, um, performing so far. I don't know how I feel about you know randomly um, randomly generated uh, levels because that was part of Star Fox's charm. I used to, you know, come home from school and beat that game at least twice a day, only because like I knew the levels on like the back of my hand, and that was that was just a big part of why it was so fun. But um, this is definitely this this definitely adds some freshness to it. So I'll definitely have my yeah. eye on this. Yeah. Yeah, and they put this out as a demo on, I think it was Steam a while back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think from one of those demo things. or They might have sent it out to people that subscribe to their newsletters, like a link to download it. So I've got that. I'll have to check it out at some point. But it seems pretty neat from what they have shown here. Let's see, 20 bucks for a copy of the game mm-hmm. for the basic, uh, most basic reward. And their delivery dates, estimated delivery is May 2022. So yeah. maybe about another year or so of work on the game. Yeah, stretch goals, the the 40K, $1,000 one is local two-player co-op for the campaign. Mm-hmm. That's the only one they got announced here, but seems uh seems really cool. In the, another case of indies doing the things that Nintendo doesn't want to do. Yeah, I mean, the last Star Fox game we got was Zero, and, well, that was that was the Wii U. Yeah, and, like, the whole the Metroid-like genre has spawned yeah. out of Nintendo not really wanting to make those games anymore. Yeah. At least the 2D ones. Yeah. So, oh. yeah, that's that would be fun to watch. 
Another game that kind of struck people this week was Harold Halibut. Yeah. And that's been around for a little while. I think showed up at GDC a few years ago by a German indie studio called Slow Bros. Mm-hmm. And it's a claymation game. Uh, I think it's more of just a, a straightforward kind of a, uh, adventure game. Yeah. But it has a really nice art style to it. They showed a new trailer. Kind of said it's coming soonish to PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe kind of a Wes Anderson style of claymation to it. Yeah, and it it is very unsettling looking. Yeah, yeah. This yep. this has a really nice style to it. Mm-hmm. But no uh, idea yeah. what coming soonish means. That's indie for we think we're almost done. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. So yeah, that'll be something you can kind of check out here, maybe sometime this summer. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the uh, the last of those stories here. Uh, the next one here is Abandoned. is a game that got announced for the PS5 from an indie studio called Blue Box Game Studios. Mm-hmm. A Netherland studio. Yeah. And it's a first-person survival game, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit horror or whatever. Uh, to it they call it realistic the art style definitely looks like they're trying to do that mm-hmm. uh, and it's caused such a fervor because people started thinking well this this isn't a studio I've ever heard before mm-hmm. it's a weird looking game where have it I seen this before for it, a studio that you've never seen before yeah there wasn't much on the internet about them mm-hmm. which is because they've only worked on like small games that never really came out too much. Yeah. Uh, but people started saying, well, this is like when, what was it? Phantom pain that got announced. Yeah. That's they had the Moby Dick studios that ended up being metal gear solid five, the Phantom yeah. pain. Yeah. And everybody thought, is this the next Kojima game? And as far as we know, no, no, uh, could be a super deep thing, but I don't know why. Kojima would do the exact same thing. Yeah, I only did that whole thing once, you know, leading up to uh, the Phantom Pain, and I don't know why he would do that trick again, because, I mean, don't get me wrong, Kojima is a notorious troll creator, and he will absolutely screw with you if he thinks he can get away with it, but he doesn't really like to stay with the same screw twice, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, because they had to put out a statement on their website, and even we're working on re, re uh, remaking their site because it's just a very bare bones thing that mm-hmm. you know a team where nobody's probably looking at that site very much uh, would make that. They said, uh, "We received several emails regarding the Hideo Kojima rumor. We have no association with Hideo Kojima, nor do we claim to have any association. Nor was it our intention to claim such a statement. We are a small group of developers working on a passionate title." We wanted to work on for a long time. We've been assisting other studios in the past with their projects, and we wanted to work on a very first, very first big project. Well, it's true that we've been working on small projects in the past. We certainly didn't use that for marketing purposes. Note that this has clarified this matter, and hope you hope to see you all in our very first gameplay reveal of Abandoned. So they said they're going to be revealing more of the game pretty soon. And it's going to be out Q4 2021 exclusively on PS5. 
Yeah, so all right, that'll be fun to see. Oh yeah, I, uh, I yeah, I kind of want to see where this goes because it definitely looks impressive. Yeah, yeah. So we will keep an eye on that one. I assume it'll be shown off more during maybe one of these uh, summer events that are going on. But uh, let's see. For the time being, we got more details. What's mm-hmm. been changed for Mass Effect Legendary Edition? Yeah. Um, they had a big post on the PlayStation blog. Yeah. So showing off a, a bunch of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of combat tuning things, like Shepard can now sprint out of combat. Mm-hmm. So a little bit less time just slowly walking around. Yeah. Uh, if, you the, if you've played the um, original... Mass Effect compared to sequels, the, the first Mass Effect is still very much like it, it's gone off to like you know an action you know an action RPG, but it's still kind of still flowing with the Kotor engine. Yeah, yeah, they were kind of a more slower paced game and story there for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, melee attacks are now mapped to a button press rather than automatically occurring based on proximity to an enemy. There's like weapon accuracy and handling has been significantly improved for the first Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. All relevant enemies now take headshot damage in the first game. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Ammo mods can now drop throughout the whole game. Mm-hmm. Uh, all weapons can be used by any class without penalty. Uh, there's still specializations that you can upgrade for. Yeah. Uh, cooldown is much faster for weapons. Thank God, because holy shit, the cooldown thing you had to deal with the first one was... Yeah, Metagel usage has been improved with the, the cooldown reduced. Leveling mm-hmm. benefits increased, increased Liara's bonus to cooldowns. Yeah. Management, item, uh, item inventory management uh, improvements. Thank so God. Can now yeah. be flagged as junk. Junk items can be converted to Omnigel or sold to merchants at once. Inventory and stores now have sorting functionality. Mm. Yeah, the original uh, inventory screen for the first Mass Effect was... It was a list. Yeah, it was basically like looking at a... Because uh... <laughs> uh, there, there weren't that many types of items. It'd just mm-hmm. be like, you know, shotgun four, shotgun five, shotgun six. Yeah. So if you're managing your inventory, it's like, okay, wait, do I have... a f- five of this or do I have something higher than this mm-hmm. uh, you know not really allowing you to organize things super well which you know wasn't a huge thing at that point not many games had inventory or whatever but that was one game that just sorely needed it because you were getting a lot of stuff and just not able to manage it too well mm-hmm. uh, yeah abilities have been rebalanced weapon powers have been improved yeah, effectiveness strength has increased Heat now resets on power activation. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, additional gameplay improvements for the various other games. Uh, squad mates can now be commanded independently of each other in the first Mass Effect. Yeah. So you can do that in two and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, boss fights and enemies in the first game have been tweaked to be fairer to players, but still oh. challenging. Yeah, uh, that's, that, that's, that's, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cover's been improved across the trilogy. Additional cover added to some encounters. Entering and exiting cover is now more reliable. Yeah, uh, in the fir- in some of those games, in a couple times in those games, the uh, 
when you try to take cover, the like actual hitbox for some of the cover was a little confusing. Yeah. And uh, there was also on occasion you had sort of like control issues of like, okay, I'm trying to tuck down, but I'm going around. No, I don't want to go over it. I want to go. You get it. <laughs> yeah, this was the first game was, you know, the year after Gears. Yeah. Award. People are still figuring out how to do cover well. Mm-hmm even for games that weren't necessarily the same kind of game as Gears of War. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the XP gained during the first game has been rebalanced for better consistency, especially towards the game's end. Yeah. Yeah, they talk about that. So also tweaked ammunition for Mass Effect 2, uh, saying it was spawning too scarcely in the original game, so it increased the drop rate for ammo in Mass Effect 2, particularly when using a sniper rifle since they had it reduced ammo drop rate in the original release. Yeah, uh, so much so that the sniper rifle was damn near useless. Um, yeah. You, you know, because you could literally only get find so much ammo for it. To the point that it's like, screw it, I'll just use a shotgun. It's more effective and I'll get more shots off. Yeah. Uh, the Mako's gotten a bunch of changes. Yeah, it doesn't shit anymore. <laughs> yeah, improved handling, physics tuning, improved to feel weightier and slide around less, mm-hmm. better camera controls, resolved issues preventing the makeover from accurately aiming at lower angles. I remember that where you're like trying to go over like terrain just enough so like you could shield yourself a bit, but try mm-hmm. to shoot over it and just keep clipping. Uh, a lot of stuff like that. We're just trying to use the, the terrain to your advantage and mm-hmm. the game would just not not deal with that shit. But put, let's put it this way, um, especially when you're like in the Mako going over long distances, there comes a point where it's almost like you're no longer controlling like an actual terrain vehicle. You're basically controlling a giant sled. Yeah. And it's really hard, you know, especially this is especially true when it came to when you were having to go through like large areas that were like cylindrical. Because it was yeah. way too easy to find yourself going up over to the side and upside down and falling and then having the thing blow up on you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially when you got to, I think it was Rex's planet. Yep. Uh, where a lot of missiles were shooting at you. You had to jump over them. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like that. And it's like, it wasn't that agile of a vehicle to control. Uh, so yeah, they mentioned shields recharge faster, new thrusters added for a special uh, speed boost. Mm-hmm. Cooldown is separate from the jump jets. The XP penalty while in the Mako has been removed. Mm-hmm. And touching lava no longer results in an instant mission failure. Instead deals damage over time. Yes. Like that was the Mass Effect 2 where you had like the uh, the lava stuff to jump around, like platform uh- stuff. Wait, I don't think there was a Mako in Mass Effect. There was a vehicle in Mass Effect 2. There is a vehicle in Mass Effect 2, but it was in one of the DLCs. Yeah. Um, but so yeah. That gets similar treatments. Yeah. There's a whole thing. It was like a river of lava. You were trying to jump around it. Mm-hmm. If you fucked it up, game over. So, yeah. Yeah, there's more stuff for. Uh, let's see. Shepard. Yep. Yeah, unified unified the customization options between all three games. Yeah, options. So, comparing like the way Shepard looks like in the first game compared to how they look in 
the third game, it's basically night and day. Yeah, uh, so they're going to massage that a bit so, you know, it doesn't change it. Yeah, it, it was sample image they've got here it definitely looks better um, yeah, they had a new skin tones and hairstyles so it'll have a, a better experience with that stuff they yeah. have the genesis comics yeah that's uh were used in mass effect 2 and 3 is like a a way to change your choices if you needed to or if you mm-hmm. hadn't played the game before you could or come to a different platform you can just sort of change that stuff mm-hmm as unified launcher for all three games, trilogy wide settings for subtitles and languages. Saves are still unique to each game, mm-hmm. so you can do that. Yeah, updated character creator options, trophies across the trilogy have been updated. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and some of the trophy, the progress trophies are carrying between all three games. Yeah, like killed 253, uh, 250 enemies across all games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like streamline some of the trophies and redundant ones are removed. Mm. So yeah, that kind of stuff. Integrated weapons and armor pack DLCs into the game, so you get that stuff. Yeah. And just quality of life improvements around audio remixing, enhancing, uh legacy bugs fixed as well. Yeah. Um one of the things I am curious to see is what did they do with uh the character model for for Ashley? Because if you notice, Ashley between two and three, her overall design changes pretty drastically. So I'm wondering if she if they're going to go with the third one for the very beginning and just sort of have that be how she looks through all three, or are they going to like try and find a happy middle between them? Or I don't know. It's easy for me because she died in the first game. Yeah. <laughs> Oh well, she didn't in mind. I, Caden died. Yeah, I let the the space races die. Yeah, that's all my issue there. Mm. Uh, but yeah, they also mentioned the uh, Galaxy at War rebalancing yeah, too. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Mass Effect Three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you probably should play the first two games because uh, that'll make it a lot easier. Yeah, going into Mass Effect Three because uh, they did kind of try to position that game as like a uh, you can just jump in here you don't need to have played the other games yeah no thing, which that is, that is bullshit of the highest order yeah uh, so yeah they just mentioned a bunch of tweaks and such they've made to it to, especially because mm-hmm. you can't do multiplayer mm-hmm. in this game so uh, that aspect of it won't be around so mm-hmm. you just have a nice big collection to Play on, I think the f- May fourteenth. Yeah, is when this is out. So, and from now, I, I, part of me is really thinking, like, man, what's it going to be like for people when they play this this trilogy for the first time? Because yeah. there is like a hand, there are a handful of experiences gaming wise where I'm like, man, I wish I could unlearn something so I could play this for the first time again. The Mass Effect games are one hundred percent that um yeah that first mass effect game was actually literally the first uh yeah because okay so the first mass effect game i got that game the year it came out uh with my xbox 360 for christmas that year Uh, i got it with uh also lost planet um 
And Mass Effect was literally the first game I popped into my Xbox 360. Um, and it was literally like the first game I played for that generation. And I can tell you how it was almost sensory overload because it was it was it was one of the first games I ever played that had that dense amount of information in it where there's this enormous amount of possibility of you know being able to actually feeling like you can can control the narrative somewhat of you know being able to build relationships with characters characters that are so well realized that you forget that they really are just you know bits and polygons on screen um yeah and yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how newcomers react to this trilogy. Um, yeah, and honestly, I can't wait to play it again myself. So, yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. Well, let's get to our last three stories here. Three of the biggest stories of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one here is a big report that came out of Bloomberg. That uh, it'll be a bit hard to explain everything that's in it. But the internet kind of just went crazy uh, over it. But uh, the one thing here is that a support studio for Sony, uh, Visual Arts Service Group, VASG, kind of had some downtime, I guess, and decided to start working on a remake of The Last of Us for Mm -hmm. the PS5. uh, To the point that Naughty Dog even lent them some people to work on it. And I think by the time... It came time to, you know, look over it more from Herman Hulse, uh, Herman Hulse, uh point of view. It seemed like they had to give it up to Naughty Dog mm-hmm. uh, just to properly fund it and ensure like a, a level of quality that they wanted out of it if they were going to do it. Mm. Uh, which a lot of people have been like, why does this ne- game need a remake? Which is like, yeah, I get that. But it's they got a new show coming out, I think, next year. Mm-hmm. And it makes a lot of sense to have a version of this game if it's in the part two engine. Yeah. Uh, that would look really fantastic. That's maybe the one thing about the original game is like the, the stealth stuff is not super great. Yeah. Well, and... part, I, I, the thing is the stealth wasn't super great, but that nerviness was kind of part of that game's appeal. Yeah. Um. But they did manage to like more or less improve it with part two. And yeah, they will have some of those kind of systems in yeah. play for a remake of that original game would be pretty nice to see. Yeah. As well as it just making it look that damn good as that game is. Yeah. Because it seems like Naughty Dog is working on you know an upgrade for the PS5 as well as that version of the, the factions multiplayer mode yeah. for PS5. Uh, so this kind of fits them kind of having that group kind of working on a few different projects uh, mm-hmm. concerning The Last of Us for the next couple of years. As well as, I guess, a, something else they're probably working on, like a new IP or something. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of one of the parts of this whole report. Uh, I guess the some of the people at uh, VASG were not happy about this uh, being taken, this project being sort of taken from them and given to Naughty Dog. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're a support studio. That's kind of what you're there for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get their ambition to kind of do their own thing. Mm-hmm. But in a big 
company like that, that's not necessarily how it's going to work. Yeah. Uh, all the time. So yeah, like the one of the lead people at that studio left as a result of this whole thing going on, mm-hmm. uh, which makes sense. But it's also like maybe you weren't the the right person to lead that team. Uh, as a result, uh, let's see. Part of this was also that Ben Studio uh, was pitching a sequel to Days Gone, uh, that being their next project, and kind of that got rejected, uh, which yeah. makes sense, I guess. I guess again, maybe you don't need a sequel super quickly after that first game. I guess maybe something that could breathe for a while, but they had some downtime. And as part of that, they were uh, working on some sort of new Uncharted game or something like that. Mm-hmm. And otherwise, a secret San Diego studio that was working on a new Uncharted. Yeah. I think, uh, to keep these people busy and, you know, not having to lay them off or anything, they had them working on this mm-hmm. and I guess uh, part of two of the leads at Ben studio leaving over the past couple of years mm-hmm. was maybe tied to that being worried that they were going to be uh, a support studio or something like that. Mm. But it seems like in the end uh, they have been approved to work on a new IP. So they're working on something new for Sony. So that will be cool. Yeah, I am uh, interested in seeing what, uh, you know, when Naughty Dog makes a new IP, it's always big news. Um, yeah. And I want to, you know, I've, and you know, there's always been that kind of tradition of how they kind of hide like clues to what their next big IP is in their games. Um, like they have a hint of, uh, hints of like, um, the Last of Us, and I think it was Uncharted Three. So, yeah, yeah I, I wonder if there are hints of what their next game is going to be in The Last of Us game somewhere. Be interesting to see. So I'm talking about Ben Studio here. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> instead of doing a follow up to Days Gone, they're kind of working on something new. Yeah, that's cool. I forgot where I read it, but like one of the main. One of the main reasons, apparently, why Sony rejected the Days Gone uh, 2 proposal was because they spent so much time working on the original Days Gone, and it just wasn't critically received well. And yeah. We yeah. all know that, like, you know, the PlayStation has become a brand where they really want nothing but bangers from the first-party studios. And mm-hmm. that totally makes sense at the same time. Like, um, again, it's, it's not really connected to the story, but I personally don't think we need... Uh, a remake to The Last of Us. I mean, we we had the remaster on uh, PS4, which was already a damn good game to look at. Like, oh, yeah. the, the, the only the only games that looked better than Last of Us Remastered, in my opinion, were you know Last of Us Two and a whole bunch of the latter titles that were mm-hmm. made uh, toward the end of the PS4's lifespan. And yeah, I just don't think that this one game deserves to be on three different generations. Like, Naughty Dog is a very talented developer, as we all know, and I would rather see them continue to make new titles. Or even like Last of Us Three, like we know that this is this, this is their, you know their their bread and butter series. But at, at the end of the day, like we want the talent to really showcase their talent to make new stuff. And you know, yeah. as, as as Sony continues to grow for the worse, it's I don't know. Like PlayStation is easily like my favorite out of the out of the three big guys here. But I don't know. Whenever the whenever these announcements come out, I just have like. I don't care as much anymore. So, yeah, I don't know, it's tough. 
Yeah, I can see that. But I'm guessing they probably looked at, uh, was it the Witcher series mm-hmm. uh, that came out that when that came out on Netflix, the sales for The Witcher 3 kind of shot through the roof for a short term. And I imagine they're looking at that and it's like, well, if we have a new Last of Us thing that I assume is in the engine that Part 2 has been worked on, mm-hmm. that's having that ready for whenever that series comes out, that that could be sort of a perfect timing thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe more so than like what the the Ratchet and Clank remake was that was timed with that movie, which the movie yeah. didn't do well at all, but the game itself did really well. Yeah, I get that, but you know, Last of Us Remastered is also backwards compatible. If they wanted to repackage it with Last of Us 2, they could do that. And it would be yeah. less... Yeah, I can see that. Uh, but it seems like a project that kind of wasn't necessarily intended to happen because it seemed like this support studio kind of worked on this to the point it became more of a thing. And I'm guessing the show came along around the same time. Yeah. It's kind of ended up being a thing that was kind of hoisted upon them. And it's like, well, we got this work. We might as well give it to, you know, Naughty Dog and have them kind of do it properly. Uh, and then it just happens to coincide. It seems like kind of a weird coincidence that all this starts coming together versus just Sony's like, well, let's do this mm. kind of thing. Uh, at least the way this story is presented. Uh, maybe it didn't come out exactly that way, but yeah, it's, yeah, I don't think it's as necessarily as doom and gloom as like the internet is going on about this mm. whole thing. So if you don't care about it, then don't play it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that'd be interesting to see what uh, Ben Studio has in the works and what else is going on here. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's that news. Let's yeah. get to the next story here. Yeah. E3 it didn't happen last year. Nope. Uh, but they seem like they're going to have something happen this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be a digital events. I guess technically called the electronic entertainment exhibition mm-hmm. this year instead of expo. Yeah. So, whatever doesn't really change anything but it's a digital event june 12th through june 15th Uh, they'll have a series of uh, streams i guess tied to this there was rumors i think the the week before this came out that they were considering like a paid tier at least to get involved with like potentially streaming demos that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, that obviously people are not happy about that and they you know drop that uh, before announcing this. So mm. no details yet on when things are happening, but they have uh, a handful of companies here that have confirmed will be part of this. There's Nintendo, Microsoft, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, take two Warner brothers and Coke media. So uh, yeah, PlayStation still sitting out of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, as well as kind of a lot of companies. It's not, EA's not in here. Activision's not in here. Uh, who else? I'm trying to think. Devolver Digital's not in there. Mm-hmm. Not like they need to be part of the ESA-sanctioned E3 to do a a weird stream video yeah. thing. Uh, I'll be curious to see like if these are just going to be straight up press conferences, you know, direct style press conferences. What whatever will come out of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird this Coke Media, but not THQ Nordic, because they're one of the the branches 
of the Embracer group. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know what uh what you might be expecting out of any of this stuff. Mm. Yeah, I honestly I don't know. I mean out of out of at least Nintendo and Microsoft, you know, I'm gonna expect what they always do. You know, you're gonna have Nintendo's digital event and Microsoft is gonna do their three hour thing. They'll they'll probably include Bethesda in there because I I don't see their name on here, but I'm pretty sure they'll 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 be a part of it. And you yeah. know, they'll they'll do what they do. But as for Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, like or you know, Ubisoft can obviously do do their own thing. But you know, as for everybody else, um, it'll be weird. Like I I would hope that you know they all have their their own dedicated time to do their own stream, because mm-hmm. you know when, once this happens, all eyes are going to be on Nintendo and Microsoft. And E3 has always been about, um, you know, um, like raising the hype for for your your, your one company there. Like you 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 want to be the center of attention, and. As as happy as I am to see like E three back in some way because the, the the summer of gaming was just way too long. Um, I do think these three days is, is a little short, and I would rather just see everything there like um, through the span of a week. That way, you know, every company has some time to breathe, and you know, the consumers and the fans can go ahead and enjoy what they what what they have day to day. But you know, um, other than that, like I hope that there is some sort of thing for. Uh, consumers to actually enjoy aside from the streams, whether that be through <clears throat> actual demos or whatnot, would be cool. But it would be nice to actually make it feel like E three through that kind of instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I assume we'll get some more details as we get closer to this. But I am wondering what Devolver Digital is going to do. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It seems like plans are still being finalized for the various events that'll happen this summer. So we know yeah. Summer Game Fest is happening for June. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know exactly who's going to be involved in that. Uh, but we also know that E3 will be happening here over the course of a handful of days in June. Mm-hmm. And they've got a, a decent amount of uh, publishers that are working on stuff. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably have more details on this probably next month, I assume. Mm-hmm. Once they start finalizing dates and times and all that kind of stuff for that so yeah let's get to our final story of the week and probably the weirdest uh gdc happened i think it was last month yeah Uh, pretty much no fanfare for the the online uh gdc Uh, Mm. but somebody managed to stumble upon some stuff that was happening there and noticed this intel presentation for a new service they have coming called bleep Mm -hmm. which is sort of a software that uses uh, AI to censor voice chat. Yeah. Uh, it's in partnership with a company called Spirit AI and is currently in beta. Following a prototype they started working on two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it uses AI to censor hate speech in real time during gameplay. Yeah. Software, you know, bleeps out offending language. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the presentation just shows the UI for this stuff that is hilarious and ridiculous at the same time yeah different kinds of speech that could get bleeped Mm -hmm. uh with like misogyny name calling racism xenophobia sexually explicit language and swearing as like sliders yeah um, none to some to most and to all which 
makes no sense just looking at him. Like, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm okay with a little bit of, uh, you know, racism. Some yeah. racism, we're okay with that. Uh, the N-word is a hard toggle on or off. Yeah. Just in case. And I think there's a few more uh, categories like white uh, nationalism, I think LGBTQ, uh, you know, transphobic, homophobic, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's like maybe one more in there mm-hmm. that is like, this is a, this is a weird thing to present. Yeah. Just getting these screenshots is just, sure. It's, it not only is the UI like super clumsy, but the fact that they uh, kind of they specifically sort of point out the N word. Uh, I mean, like you've got racism and xenophobia literally right under it. Yeah, and it's like you. you... I mean, maybe it's because they're trying to make a difference between the N word with. Where you use the hard er instead of the instead of the hard uh at the end, I, I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah, honestly, I saw, I saw Austin Walker over at Vice like be like the end we're talking needs to be between a, a hard R or a hard A. Yeah, um, and the I mean, it's don't get me wrong, it's definitely a piece of technology that could definitely be helpful, but as it works right now. Uh, I'm going to just say might be a good idea to go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, a sort of technology that's neat mm-hmm. in that it exists, but in action, it's like, this is kind of more of a people problem. Yeah. Just bleeping them. is not necessarily solving the underlying issue. Yeah. If you're you know playing a game and getting voice chat, that kind of thing. But it's like, okay, then if you're having a conversation where you would, you know, not want these filters, you know, where you're, you know, probably talking about these issues or whatever. Mm-hmm. This thing is going to be useful anyway. Yeah. It's like, okay. Uh, now there's lots of different uh, ways of using this for mm-hmm. Twitch and YouTube and all that kind of streaming stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very weird thing. That it seems like it's maybe the tech coming along before anybody knows how to properly use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this is like a TV style bleep, which is yeah. a very loud noise. We're allowed to customize that to be like, you know, it would probably be better just to have it be a, a nothing sound or something like that. Yeah. So it was like, how well is it able to recognize this stuff? Because mm-hmm. uh, it seems like it's the way they talk about it here. It's like a, it's still a thing that's learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, what to bleep out and what not to bleep out. So it seems like it may take time for it to, to work properly. Mm. It's like, who knows how that's going to go. But yeah, it's like if you're, and also be like, if you're going to engage in anything where this is an actual concern, it's like, why are you letting the voice chat in to begin with? Mm. Like that's the, the obvious solution is like, don't, don't allow voice chats in any sort of setting where you would need this this sort of tools, uh, moderation tools to it. Because mm-hmm. most games have ways of just turning it off completely. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a weird piece of tool. It's made for a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person that took this uh, screenshot responded saying, computer, today I feel like being a little misogynistic. <laughs> uh, 
It's like, yeah, it's it's you a know, really weird thing. I think I can tolerate a medium amount of white nationalism. Yeah. We'll take out some of it, but like, what does that mean? Is it like the keywords for that stuff? Because white nationalism is a thing that's very much coded at times. Yeah. So it's like, is it able to decipher that? And keep in mind that the memes that they use, they are known to change them on the fly. So, yeah. You know, can the AI learn fast enough to distinguish between them? Yeah. Because it's like the, the different slurs and such that makes sense uh, for how you're going to be able to recognize that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's also, you know, how does it deal with people with you know, different ways of speaking, Mm. how they say things, you know. Obviously, there's accents and all that kind of stuff. So who knows how that's going to work, but it's a weird set of tools that seems somewhat useful, but also it's like if you feel the need to use this, maybe you don't do any voice chat at all. Yeah. Especially if you're concerned about this stuff. Mm -hmm. But I'm also looking at this and like, well, what if I turn off the swearing, believe everything else at maximum? What gets through? Oh, wow. That's, uh... That is... Is that just that, your your fucking your shit and that kind of stuff? Yeah. But can it discern how that stuff can be used for other things? Other things here? Because that would be sexually explicit languages for fuck. Yeah. But you don't always use it in that way. So Exactly. I wonder how this thing deals with context. Yeah. Because AI systems are notorious for not understanding context, which is why people get, you know, dinged on Twitter and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Uh, Facebook, just the automatic tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. That's the weird thing that the internet had fun with. Uh, we'll mm-hmm. see if Intel still pushes along with it. Uh, mm-hmm. some sort of way to explain why it needs to exist and how it's useful, but yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be it for today's show. Mm. Thank you to Brandon Danrib for joining us this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thank you to everybody that has been tuning in. Yeah. Uh, we will have a new slate of news next week. Hopefully we got uh, some interesting stuff to go along with that. We always do. Yeah. Mm. As uh, the summer starts to get closer and closer, and now we got E3 and the, the Summer Game Fest to be looking forward to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we got uh, events on the horizon. We'll see how how much uh, is going into that stuff, and maybe we'll be doing some more shows with uh, an E3 happening this year if we need to record anything after each day or not. I don't know. Fingers crossed. We'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll see you guys again next time.